Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Clutch Talk podcast slash YouTube slash we do it all. As always, I'm your host, John. Very happy to be here. My boy, Jay Hills over there in the six. How you doing, my dog? Weekends here. Can't complain, but also can't complain because we got a great guest, a finalist for Kentucky Mr. Basketball in 2007. A proven record, a record, track record speaks for himself, a proven winner, man. Um, Italian national team member. Jeffrey Brooks Jr., welcome on to the show. Welcome to Clutch Talk, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you guys today. Man, it's a, it's right. a it's a pleasure to have have a player like you on, man. So, uh, like I already talking a little bit off camera, man. For today's episode, man, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna get into a little bit of of, of Jeffrey's career and you know how where it started to where it is now and what's next for Jeffrey. Is, is everybody? I hope everybody out there is cool with that. Jeffrey, you cool getting into that? I very much so. Let's do it. Man, let's get let's straight straight into it, man. So what we like to start here is where it all started. So we know we know you were born in Kentucky, man. But what I want to know is who put that ball in your hands and at what age? Uh, it was my pops. Um, he always tells people, like, right away when I came home from the hospital, that was, like, the first thing that was ever given to me was a ball. So it was, like, kind of like, oh, put him in his crib. Oh, there's a ball in the crib. All right, we good. And it just started from there. So, um, and, and basketball is kind of all I knew growing up. Uh, from the moment I really started to move around, that was like one of the only toys I would play with all the time was a ball or something <laughs> that uh, could signify a ball. And um, just basketball has been it for, yeah, 33 years now. Man, man. Okay. So, so, so this just like one of those things where love was the love of basketball was just born onto you with something you were just born with. But uh, I know, so I know you say, you know, your pops um, oh, said that you were in it early, but as a kid, do you remember like modeling your game out for somebody or watching somebody being like, man, like, you know, that's what I'm trying to play like. That's what I want to be like that. Oh, of course. I mean, I grew up in the nineties. The so I feel like not just me, every kid growing up in the early nineties, it was MJ. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan. You know, Allen Iverson happened a little later once I was going into, like, middle school. So all I knew is everybody talked about Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to do the reverse layups and try to dunk in the free throw line and the fadeaway and all that. So um, that was always a guy I was trying to model, uh, other than my dad, of course. But Michael Jordan was always the guy we used to watch. You know, we used to watch Bulls games even if they came on super late when I was um, young from like ages five through what, five through 10, that was all we, we had in the house was Bulls gear here. I had a Bulls uh, basketball goal with Michael Jordan that you put on the back of your, your, your uh, door. And I remember, uh, I think it was like my fourth grade year. My mom made me throw it away <laughs> because of how much I used to play on it. And like uh, Michael Jordan, you couldn't turn it off. So when you played on it, he was always talking. And I'm talking about from like 7 p.m., bro, to like 9, 30, 10. That's all I was doing in the house. And, uh, yeah, it was it was always MJ, always MJ. And uh, that, that still hurts me to this day. She made me throw away that damn basketball goal. I was going <laughs> to give that to my son. I was going <laughs> to give that to my future son. But, yeah, so it's always been MJ. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, so then, so, so then, if if it's all if it's always been MJ, I mean, me personally, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a, I'm a more of a LeBron guy. Then, so I gotta mm -hmm. ask you: Are you for when when I go to opinion? You you got MJ with you then, or are you still rocking LeBron now? 
Oh, see now, now the whole conversation changes because we were talking about like my childhood. Now, you know, I'm a grown man and things of, you know, you have a whole different perspective on the game and um, everything you've seen, you've been cultured to. I know this is weird when I say it, but I always use this argument with people. I feel like LeBron is the greatest talent of all time, but I feel like MJ is the greatest player of all time because of the accolades, the winning, the culture of basketball. It comes from MJ. Like, you don't get LeBron without MJ. I don't play ball like that outside of what I'm doing now if it wasn't for MJ. You know what I'm saying? He's always been the inspiration. So that's how I always get my um, my little answer when people ask me that question. I always break it down in two different ways, and I can't really describe it any other way than that, in my opinion. People hate me for it, but that's just – that's that's my answer. I like it. No, nah, that's, that's a fair answer, too, because – you know, Jeff, I, I think of it like it's so subjective, too, because it's like what era you grew up in. If you're like a mm-hmm. 90s kid, if someone from the 2000s would probably say Bron because they've seen him majority of his career. They saw what exactly. the, the the Wizards uh, Jordan or whatever. But yep. yeah, yep. I, I think of the same way, too. I think LeBron's probably the best all around player, but I just think MJ's the greatest. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's how I think about it. Like, there's nothing he's, you can really yeah. argue about that. It's a, and yeah. like, I feel like everything that comes along with the game, like, you just can't take away from the, in the sense of the originator. Like, it was MJ. Everybody, whatever you want to say, anybody want to talk, but we all know where it stems from. It stems from MJ. You know, you had your Dr. J, your Larry Burry, and Magic, but when MJ stepped on the floor, and when he hit the bull scene, bro, the whole idea about basketball changed. It became a worldwide phenomenon. It was because of Michael Jordan. Now LeBron is taking it to different heights, of course, because now we have social media, we have YouTube and all these different things to be able to see more of LeBron. But once again, you don't get that without MJ. You just don't. Man, facts, facts. Okay, okay. So then, so then, you know, we we keep it pushing, and you know, your child, you know, you have your childhood playing playing on that little hoop, and then mm-hmm. you know, we we get to high school. You know, you, you decide to go to to Doss High School in, in Kentucky. So talk to us a little bit about your uh, how your high school experience was. Uh, like how Jay said, you were a finalist for Mister Kentucky for Mister Basketball in Kentucky, and the number two player in in the in Kentucky. You were named the player of the year. But talk to us about you know how your experience was. Did you feel like you know the big man on campus or how was it i um i was actually just talking about this the other day and i actually tell guys that like i'm working out with some high school kids now and some college guys um and i I tell my story because like mine is kind of unique in a sense like mine uh, everything that happened it happened out of nowhere so like i went to shawnee high for two years actually and then i transferred to dos and those first two years i was People knew me maybe at the park and all that, but when it came to, like, organized ball, nobody knew me. Nobody knew my name, really. Then junior year happened, and uh, I hit a growth spurt that summer. AAU, of course, was OD back in the day. Compared to what it is now, it's not really the same at all. Like, it was really dog fights, bro, like, when you played AAU. The guys you run into, the the venues, the, it was just a different – I feel like it was a different age. And I had a really good run that year. And then I grew like five inches. So I went from a 6'2 center, but I was also always having guard skills into a 6'7 wingman. So it was kind of like, well, who the hell is this guy? So then junior year happens, play pretty well. Then that summer, everything started. So I went to a camp in Kentucky um, called the Rick Bolas Camp. 
I won everything in that camp. Then I went to five star, won everything at that camp uh, up in Robin Morris University. Then I was playing in AAU circuit. I was scoring 40 here. Uh, not just the scoring, it was just that just different type of game. 27, 15 here, 26, 13, eight block, all types of things. And so people were just like, who y'all are this kid? Jeff, who the hell is this guy? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So all these things stem from just like literally that first camp because uh, Rick Bowles was saying I was the best player in Kentucky, bar none. And I went from being literally a nobody as far as the basketball scene in the state of Kentucky to from one week to literally the next week, I was in the newspapers and everything. And I didn't know how to, I didn't really understand what was going on. So like, I I guess you can just say it was too much humility, but I just didn't understand the whole thing about being man on campus. I've always been a, a, a catalyst, you know what I'm saying? I've always been a catalyst about team and winning and success. So, I never had this personal individual idea about I'm the, I'm this, I'm that. You know what I'm saying? No, I was like, whatever I have, I can bring to the table to help my team win or my high school team, AU team, whatever the case may be. And that makes sense, too, because you talk about you being uh, you wanting to win and, and that sort of thing and bringing that success forward, which we'll talk. I will I'll have a few questions about that later. But it makes sense. You had that mentality and mindset on uh, early in your career and early in high school, because it obviously carried on uh, to your professional career where you've been uh, very successful. Yes, um, but, you know, Jeff, I want to know in terms of the Kentucky basketball scene, because we obviously say see University of Kentucky and their big following. And I hear a lot about. Kentucky, obviously, John and I are from the Bay, if you don't know. So we from uh, okay. California. But yes, I sir. hear about Kentucky, like Indiana, some of those Midwest, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. states being big basketball states. So how was it growing up and playing in that environment? Was there a lot of people um, at games or what was the scene like at that? Uh, well, like- for me personally, like once once my situation happened individually and then I went to Dawson, and everybody kind of started knowing my name and the, you know, the, the, uh, the credibility started coming with it because all this guy, you know, people talking about him nationally now and blah, blah. Yeah. Gyms were packed, bro. Like when we were playing games throughout the, the city, games throughout the state, like damn near every gym was sold out. And, and cause we had a really good team too, as far as Kentucky basketball goes. I mean, it's different because, you know, California, New York, Florida, Texas, Y'all guys in those different states, you guys have a lot of different things that come along with the game. The size is different. The the physicality is different. The rules are different. Like, we still don't even have a shot clock here. It's 2022, and in Kentucky basketball, they don't have a shot clock. So, like, it's just a different feel for the game where it's just this whole idea of team and basketball is everything. You know what I'm saying, in a sense. So, it was – man, it was a lot of tough matchups and a lot of tough games I had in high school and really some really packed venues and just the the energy and the feel of the game was was amazing. I feel like that today. It's just that I feel like as far as Kentucky, they still kind of, you know, like I was saying, the dark age is like to develop more guys to be more comfortable for the next level. They need to add things to get guys ready for the next level. And I feel like one of the biggest things would be a shot clock and blah, 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 blah. 
Okay. Okay, man. All right. So you know, you after you have a you know a very successful uh, high school career, um, and we didn't even talk about the fact that you won a dunk, a dunk contest at the blue chip the blue chips camp, which I think is mm-hmm. absolutely insane. You know, I you know me the closest I ever got to dunking was maybe we lowered that to like a nine foot. I'll take a soccer ball with me and I might get one. Right? <laughs> like I, I want to know. I want to know how does it feel to be like 16, 17 winning dunk contests? Like that's not normal. The average person don't know what that feel like so if you could paint the picture for a regular 16 or 17 year old what that feels like the crazy thing was like i remember being like 15 16 like i was barely dunking the ball bro like i wasn't taking off like crazy nothing but i remember my dad gave me this weight vest and i was wearing it like all summer all that all that summer going into that camp and everything so honestly bro when i was taking the weight vest off I was doing shit in the air, excuse my language. I was doing things in the air. I was like, yo, where did this come from? Like, I wasn't doing this two, three weeks ago. So I'm talking about throwing off the backboard windmill, throwing off the bounce windmill, uh, 360 almost windmilling at the age of 16. I was like, yo, I'm okay, I'm, I'm getting a little nice. Like, this is different. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, the win at dunk camp, it was actually some other athletes from other states uh, that was at that camp. And it was some dudes that just, they couldn't complete their dunks. And that was my main thing. I didn't miss any of my dunks. And uh, I had a lot of um, um, flair to mine off of one foot, you know, then the two-foot package would be more power. But I was completing my dunks. That's the important thing. got to make the dunk. It ain't about the trick you're trying to do. It's about actually finishing the damn dunk. And that's how I won that dunk contest. What what did you (laughs) – what did you do for like? What was the closer? You remember? If you, I don't know if you remember. Like, what was the closing dunk? Uh, I think the closer dunk I did in that one. I think I like, I threw it. I think I threw it up off the bounce and I caught it from like around the third dash mm-hmm. windmill, like a side a side winding windmill. And that one, uh, I think that was in the final round. But like honestly, the first couple of dunks I did to really just. Cause you had like a tryout basis in this dunk contest. It was kind of like, all right, we're going to see who the best dunkers in the camp were. And then I remember one time I just threw it up and like, I was just, you know, damn their head level at the rim. And I just dunked it. And they was like, okay, he's in. Like, they just sat me down. Like, right immediately. So from there, like I just watched the rest of the, the competitors and I just kind of started seeing what other guys would, were doing and um, kind of like studying the, the competition. I was like, okay, that guy, he likes to jump further. You know, he's not really a trick guy. He likes to try to, you know, either glide or show how far he can jump from, different things like that. So it was cool. That's one of the only damn dunk cons I've, I've ever really competed in. And, and uh, I won. So, you know, I can take that as my claim to fame as far as the Rick Bowles dunk champ. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> man. Definitely. Right Absolutely. Damn right. Absolutely, man. So, you know, uh, and then and then, you know, we we keep it pushing. And after you have a you know successful high school year, you decide mm-hmm. to go to, to go to Penn State. And every time we have an athlete that plays any division one program before we even get into that, I like to congratulate them because uh, this that, that's that's huge, man. Like, you know, less than two percent of all high school athletes even go to play division one. So right you shout out and flowers to you for that. Thank man. You. So no problem. man. So so and then. Uh, you know, Penn State, you choose Penn State. And what I want to know is, could it have been anybody else? I know you had uh, Georgia, Clemson, Kentucky, Arkansas, a lot of big mm-hmm. name programs knocking at your door. What was the reason and deciding factor that you went with Penn State? Um, I think the only word I can really bring up is maturity. And what I mean by that is uh, only one on two visits. 
I could do it all over again, I would have went on all five. <laughs> I only did two. I went to Arkansas and I went to Penn State. And uh, when I saw it, Arkansas, I kind of saw more of a team that was already really cemented. Those guys really knew each other. They were they weren't they weren't particularly young. Uh, and I felt like at Penn State when I went on the, on the trip there, and also knowing that Coach DeChellis and Coach Kanansky was head coach and head assistant, they were at Penn State literally every week, bro, during the recruiting period to come see me work out, come see – they came to a few games, all types of stuff. It was just that sense of, like, loyalty and them wanting me so bad that from there I was like, this is where I, I feel like I belong. On the trip, I had so much fun on the visit. The guys were very welcoming. Uh, I watched them play pickup and everything. I liked the style of play. They moved the ball. They played together. And, of course, Penn State was not a high prolific school as far as basketball. I was like, hell, maybe I can be a part of something, like really bringing a, pro a program out. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they were perennial losers. I'm saying that at the end of the day, the 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 everybody knows Penn State because of football. But maybe basketball can get a little shine, too. So uh, that was one of the main reasons I went there. And then uh, also I signed with Taylor Battle, who's one of the best guards in the state of New York that year as well. And and the last point of it was, like I said, the word that I started with was maturity. I needed to get away. And Penn State was nine hours away from home. So there was no more baby in me. And, like, I had to learn. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn how to be on my own, how to be my own man. And moving to Penn State for school, I, I felt like it was the, the the right decision. I really did. It, was, it, man, it, it came out to be a great experience. Um, I had a, a lot of fun. I got my degree, and here I am now. And once again, my part of my journey was Penn State, and I, I felt like I made the right decision. Like you said, I had a lot of different schools, but just Penn State felt like the right place to be. Absolutely, man. And and honestly, that's that that's big of you. You know, a lot of people would have, you know, you being from Kentucky, maybe they want to do that little hometown hero thing. But maybe sometimes that's not even good for them that, you know, mm -hmm. being around people who you grew up with sometimes when you're starting to get, uh, you know, this fame, this notoriety sometimes isn't isn't the greatest thing for you. So that was a very mature decision for you to make at a young age. Um, and then we get to your freshman year. You know, you you play in all 31 games, mm -hmm. uh, starting 12. So talk to us about your freshman year. You know, were you ready for that Division One level? Because, you know, from high school to Division One, there's a gap, man. You know, there's some some guys or some scrubs in high school and then Division One. Everybody's sure. that guy. For sure, for sure. Like, I feel like for me, what happened was I got humble pie. I've always been a pretty humble guy, but I got humble pie early. And I had to figure out, did I make the right decision? And one reason, one way you figure that out is, do you stay? Do you stay loyal? Do you stay down? And like, my freshman year, I came in, I was 185 pounds right away. You got to be on a weight program. All these different things are happening. 6 a.m. workouts, uh, eating program, uh training in the weight room more than I was trained on the basketball floor just to get my strength up because what I didn't realize was I was going to the Big Ten. You know, like, that's physical, brawn basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, the SEC, the ACC, ACC is a little mixed, but the SEC is more of an up-and-down uh, game. The Pac-10, which had a couple schools, it's more up-and-down. But the Big Ten is all about literally brawn. Who wants it more? Boxing out, setting good screens. Uh, every cut has to be efficient because if you're not, you're not going to be able to get off the, you're not going to be able to get open because your guy's going to be all over you, stuff like that. So 
I just had to really, you know, stay the course, really watch my teammates that were actually playing more than me and just picking up from them. And, uh, again, it, it it tested me to see if I would stay down. Uh, my AU coach was telling me that, like, coming out of high school, I was supposed to be like a two-year player. But, honestly, I didn't go into the right – I didn't have the right mentality going into school. I was happy to be there, but I didn't realize – that you also need that confidence of knowing yourself, what you need, and also being efficient at the same time. And I just didn't have the total package all together, bro, mentally. I did whatever I could to help us win, but as far as individually, I just wasn't there yet. And, I, you know, I, I needed time, and I needed time. And uh, that, that was what my freshman year was. Absolutely, man. You know, and then uh, at the at the end of your, uh, you have a good freshman year, and then come your sophomore year, um, you know, through every basketball player's life, you know, there's ups and downs, and you mm-hmm. got to be able, you got to be able to deal with the down, you know. And and in sophomore year, you know, you suffered a concussion uh, in practice, but mm-hmm. before the season even started, which forced you to miss some games. And then your junior year, when you were the team's leading rebounder you suffered a, a shoulder injury. So what I want to know is like, could you talk to the people about your mindset and how you, when your team needs you, when you're a vital piece of the team, how you mentally can get through that. And what do you, what are you telling yourself daily so that you can get back on the court and be an even better version of yourself? I think it just, honestly, once again, it depends on how you were built and who you see in the mirror. Like for me, like what happened was my sophomore year, again, I just, I tried again, and I was trying to figure it out, but things just wasn't clicking right. And then I kind of got down on myself. So even as far as school, I lost my place as far as why am I here? You know what I'm saying? It's not just basketball. It's also academics. So I went through a tough academic year as well. And my school helped me really figure out, you know, how to be better as far as my academics and also stay in a course like, Jeff, we really want you here. You know what I'm saying? We, we, We love the type of guy you are. And you don't even understand how good of a basketball player you are. And I, once again, that was just showed so much credit to how much Penn State wanted me. My coaching staff, teammates wanted me to be there. Junior year, I had a better year because I started to gain a little bit more confidence. I wasn't so much more of a deer in the headlights anymore. I was kind of a deer, you know, okay, you know, you know, the deer in the night. I know cars <laughs> come through this area now, you know what I'm saying? I know sometimes it's more busy here, so I got to, you know, be able to maneuver differently. You know what I'm saying? I was, uh, I felt stronger as a player. I felt more confident. I felt that my teammates wanted me to, you know, to be there after everything I went through my sophomore year. And then things just started to click, you know, in junior year, at the end of junior year, I had a really good year uh, at uh, moments. I, like the last three months of my junior year, I really played pretty well going into my senior year. But once again, I felt like it was because I stayed, the course, bro. I didn't give up. You know what I'm saying? Because everything in life that you want, as we all say, it's a cliche, but it's not given. You know what I'm saying? You have to earn it. You also have to take it. And that's what I felt like I did. I continuously just stayed the course, worked hard, was a good teammate. And uh, that all became to, um, that all came into fruition my senior year. So, and uh, once again, I don't get to my senior year if I don't go through the ups and downs of my sophomore as well as my junior year. Okay, okay. I want to talk more about to you about like games and stuff, because you said the Big Ten, you know, you hear the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. you think Michigan, you think Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern. Mm -hmm. I'm not not sure when you were there because it's the Big Ten. I think it's about 12 or might even be 14 teams now. It's like the Big 12 or something. But uh, it could be 21. 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's now. talks, right? There's talks of like UCLA and all these teams coming over, but um, it's crazy. But when you were there, um, Jeff, how was what was it like playing on the road and like in those like crazy environments? Because I know the fan bases and stuff. What was the moment your freshman year? I know, I know you got some stories about that. What was that like, man? Bar none. Like I don't know if there was a better conference than the Big Ten. Outside of Big East, okay, because the Big East was damn near like an NBA conference, bro. Some of the teams they had yeah. were just like, come on, bro. Some of y'all shouldn't – no, I shouldn't even be a college team. This is a damn pro team. <laughs> like, uh, but the Big Ten was dope. My all four years. And I remember my freshman year, because, again, bro, when you playing in high school, you know, it's cool. You playing in 3,000-person right. gym, you know what I'm saying? It's packed or whatever. You mean, it's cool. But then you walk into a Michigan State, you like, yo – the Breslin Center, it's just sold out. 18,000 going crazy. And number, you know, Spartan green and white. Like, yo, this is mm. the old Wisconsin. Wisconsin was nice back when I was in school. Freshman year, I'm like, damn, what is this? They got three guys, seven foot and up. Just, and then they, their whole moniker was hold the ball 35 seconds, get the best shot. And they sold, They were so big and strong, and then the fans were just on top of you as well. Oh, then let's move to Indiana, where the, the, literally the stadium goes straight up, and all the screams and yells are going right down on top of you. And it's, in a sense, suffocating. Then you go to Michigan. And Michigan, as we know, in Ann Arbor, rabbit fans, moved to Northwestern, who Northwestern was not a big, prolific team as far as basketball. But they love basketball there. It's very weird. Illinois. Same difference, you know what I'm saying? It, it, you can just go on and on the list of the Big Ten, bro. It, it, every single night was like, yo, this is going to be an action-packed game. There's going to be people here coming to support their team. You got to do what you got to do. And when I mean that, we know how to win games as a team. On the road, it's moving the ball, playing well, defensively communicating. And if you didn't do that in the Big Ten, bro, you lose by 20. That's what you had to do just to even stay in the game. So if he wasn't doing that, you weren't even gonna be in the game. Yeah. It was over with. Because these these different venues, man, with just the 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 way the, the the gyms were set up, the way the fans were, it was just ah man, it was a hell of an experience. And I got to do that stuff for four straight years, bro. It was dope. It was very dope. Man, absolutely, really? man. That absolutely. So while while we're talking about cool uh, moments, you know, I got to bring up, I got to bring up, uh, honestly, one of the cool moments. Only you, you could say you, you've done. Not a lot of people on this earth can say. But let's go back to the date, man. Let's flash back to December eighth, two thousand and nine. You had a putback dunk that made ESPN's top ten plays, but not just the top ten plays. It was the number one play on ESPN. So what I got to ask you is, like, how does that feel? Like, every kid's dream, you know, when you're outside just playing on a yard, hooping, like, that's every kid's dream is to be on a ESPN top ten. So how did that feel? Was your phone blowing up after? How did that go? Bro, it was dope because now, you know what I'm saying, you look back, and once again, now social media has changed everything because everybody has – the phone, they're just quick access to everything. So back then, you know, everybody's watching ESPN to see what had happened that night, the sports, blah, blah. So I remember the play like it was yesterday. My man, David Jackson, shot a little float off the left block, missed. I don't even know why I jumped this way. But I was just like, man, I can catch your shit. So I was like, I can catch it, but I don't know what made me turn. But as soon as I turned, I was like, oh, now I, gotta, now I got it. I might as well dunk it. So I dunked it backwards. And everybody was just like, what the hell was that? You know what I'm saying? And once again, that's just a flash of like, 
I guess the talent everybody was talking about that I didn't even really know I was possessing. So I get home that night. We chilling at the apartment. So we was like, hey, bro, come on, man. Tell me it's me. Because they used to come on at 11. They used to end at 11. That's when they, uh, the top 10s used to come on. So I remember the second play was Chris Bosh. He had like a crazy reverse layup. And I'm like, nah, man, I ain't on it, dog. Man, I would have been at least seven, six, seven, something. I swear, bro, I was about to turn it off. And next thing I know, yeah, no. Put back by Jeff Brooks. I said, oh, I'm number one. Bro, my phone, my Facebook, uh, this is when AIM was popping. Everything just started going off, like, all at the same time. Just doom, 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 doom. So, yeah, bro, it was crazy. And, uh, yeah, people ask me about that all the time. And it was a hell of a moment for me. I couldn't stop smiling until I came to the gym the next day. And my coach was like, all right, this shit's over. Um, next game, you know, you have one highlight. All right, let's see if you get another one. And uh, but it was a special moment. I was on Sports Center top ten, if I'm not mistaken. I think I was on it like six different times, a few times with blocks. Uh, one time I was on it. One time I threw it off a guy's back. We played Michigan State. They always guard the ball, uh, the inbounds. They don't look at the ball. The guy's always looking at the play. And I threw it off a guy's back. I caught it and it dunked it uh, on the on uh, the center. And I was on Sports Center for that too. So I, I was on it quite a few times. And uh, man. I was a hell of a situation because um I can that's always my claim to fame. I can always brag about those. Like yeah, I was on Sports Center like five six times. That was Sports Center before y'all even know what Sports Center is now. Y'all don't even know what that is now. So yeah, man, it was dope. It was a very dope feeling. Very dope feeling. Man, man, I bet, I bet that was that. That's one of those feelings. See, you, you, you too humble. I still would have been talking about it. That I would have had, <laughs> I'd have had it on my bio or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. right, no, I left, I left it alone, bro. Like I said, man, I, yeah. I just when people ask, though, I always do. That's when I get excited. Like, Yo, they, they remember that type stuff. <laughs> man, I, I break it down, but yeah, like that was dope, man. But it's crazy. That was just whew, a long time ago. Yeah, that's thirteen years ago, bro. It's crazy. So, so then, man, Jeffrey. So, you know, you, you talked about some, you know, some of these hard places to play. Uh, we talked about we talked about your top ten play. But before we get, before we get into your pro career, what I want to know is, you clearly played, you know, some prestigious programs and great and great players. But if you could think, like, off the top of your head, who was one guard that every night you? I'm not not a guard, but like any somebody yeah. had a guard that you would come up to every time every night you play. You knew, man, I gotta come ready. This is gonna be a battle. I can't come. I gotta get. Some good sleep the night before i gotta eat my breakfast and all of that you know well um one, there was three guys i can bring up because they all happened in different classes so one was raymar morgan he was older than me like uh i remember my freshman year and i had never seen somebody like that in person other than michael beasley dude was like 6 8 240 cut up crazy you know what i'm saying michigan state with a big number two on his back coming down the court with guard skill like yo I got to guard that. Like, you don't even say him. You're like, I got to guard that because that's like a whole pack. Like, what the hell is that? Like, nah, dude ain't supposed to be here type shit, bro. He was nice. Raymond Morgan was very nice. He's still playing overseas as well. Then uh, a guy I kind of grew up with throughout the Big Ten was John Lure. And he was like a 6'11", three-man, 3'4". I had to guard him quite a few times. And we used to battle, me and John Lure. He was very good, very long. Uh, deceptively athletic, could shoot it. He was very nice. And, you know, John Lewis played in the league. He's, you know, I think he's still in the NBA to this day, honestly. And then um, another guy, the last guy I can bring up is Drew Crawford. He was silent, bro. Silent assassin at Northwestern. Three-man, six-seven. He ended up winning uh, MVP in Italy. 
about two years ago, if I want to say. No, three years ago. And um, I remember Northwestern, but he was nice. Dude could do it all at the three-man spot. He could spot up. He could post up. He could bring it up the floor. Very good player. Athletic. Um, I played against some really good guys when I was at Penn State, but those three definitely up to me. There's the guys I had to guard because they were all three different types of players. Raymond Morgan was more of a power guy. John Lure, like I said, was tall in a sense, kind of like a unicorn in the Big Ten because we didn't see guys like that, 6'11", moving like him. And then um, Drew was just silky smooth, man, like for real, off the bounce, uh, off the catch. Uh, he could he could put it in the hole. He was a good guy, good player, good player. He's a good guy because I know him personally, but a really good player as well. I know you went night to night, went up against some tough competition uh, in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, and then throughout, I'm sure even interconference and stuff like that, uh, or sorry, preseason games and all that, postseason, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Yeah. But uh, but Jeff, let's, let's let's dive into your pro career though, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I know us. I, I was uh, we always obviously do our research before before the show and everything for our interviews. And I talked. I was like John, and I I was going through your accolades and your pro career and everything. I go a message John. I'm like, man, this is a pros pro. Like Jeff Jeff Brooks Jr. Man, that's a pros pro. Because I was just looking at number one the how long. It. Yeah, no, absolutely. The number one, I was telling him the longevity of his career because a lot of people quit or they aren't able to have the success and, and length of your career. And then just the amount of times you win, you've won in, in your professional career. But uh, let's talk about how it's all started. You know, you finish up at Penn State, you're a four year player there. Um, what was the next step um, when you when you decided to go pro? Afterwards. I didn't. I, I honestly didn't know the next step. Uh, I tore my shoulder, as you guys mentioned. I actually, have my senior year, and uh, the last play I made was a block shot against Temple in the tournament, and I tore my shoulder again. I dislocated it, so I tore my labrum. I was out of the game, and that's how I finished my career. So um, after that, I had to get surgery. I got surgery in April of that year, which would have been 2011. So they were like, oh, you're probably going to be able to come back in like four months. Miraculously, I was back in like literally two months. Like I was able to start shooting the ball, moving around, dribbling. I was able to really get back on the floor a lot earlier than what I was supposed to. So uh, I met my agent, who I still have to this day, through uh, my coaching staff. And I feel like that's a key to a pro's career. If you don't have a the right representation, someone who actually cares about you, who can put you in the right places, not only just to perform, but places that are good for you as a man, not just as a player. I feel like that's been a key to my success as far as my longevity of my career has been that. So we didn't know what was going to happen. I I signed with him. He's like, oh, well, you know, a couple teams are kind of skeptical about, you know, your injury, blah, blah. I was like, man, you can just send me anywhere. I, I'll, I'll just play. I mean, I actually have an opportunity to play pro. And it came out that a team in Italy, which is Yezi, Italy, um, they gave me an opportunity. Without even working out, they just saw my highlights and my, they watched film on me. They were like, no, we, we got to have them. We'll take them. And I went to playing uh, Yezi, Italy. Whew. That was uh, definitely a culture shock. Uh, definitely a culture shock for me. And um, I just remember off the plane, as I tell you to everybody, I, it was just like being on on a different planet. I've been to Canada before, but I never flew, you know, across seas. And um, it was just so different once you got off that plane, bro. And then, like, you know, you get with the team and everything, and 
this is what I, I tell people that continues to ask me about my story. I almost got cut. And if I would have got cut, then we wouldn't be having this conversation because I probably wouldn't have figured it out. And this is where good organizations, good teammates, good people come into play. So I have a guy named Ryan Hoover was our veteran. I'm going through it, bro. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't get my rhythm. Like, it was just bad, all bad. I couldn't perform. So uh, the GM came to uh, Ryan was like, man, I don't think he's going to make it. We might have to cut him. And he was like, no, nah, come on. Like, no, nah, just give him, like, another week. So we had a team dinner. The coach told my teammates, like, hey, man, take Jeff out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Take him to a bar. I don't know, something. Like, just get him out of his apartment. You know, let him see that. This place is – it's not that it was bad. It's just that I was somewhere else, bro. Like, I just couldn't figure it out. So, we went out. We hung out with my teammates. And I really figured out that, like, these guys want me here. You know what I'm saying? And, like, when you – I feel like when you get that type of energy from your teammates, your your, your team, the, the club, you feel differently. You know what I'm saying? Emotionally, physically, you just feel different. So, after that, bro, like – Two days later, we had another scrimmage. I had, like, 25 points, like, 15 rebounds, something like that. And the GM came up to me and was like, oh, you good now? I was like, yeah, I'm perfect. I was like, my teammates uh, show me a great time. They want me here. I'm going to do everything in my power to be here to help this team. And that's how it all happened, bro. And here I am today. If I would have got cut from Yezzy, bro, I don't know what would happen. I really don't because I, I, I would have felt like it was my fault. And it's my fault per se, but – also, I was going through something that was just so different. I had to get used to it. I had to give myself time. And you putting pressure on yourself, trying, no, because you got to be this, you got to be – no, I just need a little bit of time. And sometimes you don't get that time. And luckily, Yezy gave me the time. My teammates gave me the time. And uh, here, we, here I am today. Man, absolutely. And, and you know, uh, I, I'm really happy that you're, you know, you, you, you shed light on, you know, the, the, the mental health aspect of it and, and you, you know, where you were mentally, physically, when you were out there, the culture shock, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, who aren't really in tune with overseas, just think like, oh, if I don't make the NBA, I'm just going to go overseas and just think that everything's going to be okay. But like life is, is like how you nope. mentioned a culture shock. You uh, we've, we've had players on and said like, they don't know they don't want to leave their apartment because they don't they don't know how to say milk they don't know how to go to the right. grocery store and ask for apples so right. I, I i absolutely you know i absolutely love that you shed some light into that but what i what i want to ask you you know you talked about the importance of, of, of representation and an agent um but what i want to know is you know in that first year of, of your pro or you know right when you right when you were coming out of college did you find did you find that process to be a difficult process. You know, we've, we've heard other players in the past talk about how colleges didn't really prepare them for that picking an agent process and how, and how does it go? Or were you, did you feel like, um, did you feel like Penn State had prepared you for that? I don't want to say they prepared me to be a pro per se, because I feel like that bridge has always been shaky between amateur and pro, which I now being 33, Looking at college athletes, bro, they're pros. They're not amateurs. Once yeah. somebody's making money off this product, I'm not an amateur. I'm a pro. You know what I'm saying? It's just different, I guess, on how I receive my payment, per se. But, no, what I was saying earlier is about just having good people around me. I, that's been such a huge part of my success and my journey is because I had a coaching staff that knew the right guys to place me with. I, I, I talked to like a couple of ages, but my coach Ernie Nestor, who came on to us that year, 
he said he had the perfect man. And when I tell you, bro, that me and my agent's name is Dan Tobin, we talked three hours in my head coach's office about everything but basketball. And, like, I knew then and there I was like, this this is it. This is the fit because it ain't always just about basketball. It's also about you as a man, what you've been through, what you've seen, what I can learn from you, the places you've been, blah, 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 blah. And off that off that experience of just having that conversation with him and having that vibe that set me to where I was with him now, just that this guy's about his clients, not only just, once again, the player, the, the men they are too. And um, I don't think a lot of people get that that sensation when they meet an agent. You know what I'm saying? I, I know some guys who said they've had six, seven different agents, bro. And honestly, that's also, once again, on the their college in a sense because they they didn't have the connections to set them up with someone. But also they just haven't had that, honestly, that luck of meeting someone who's there for them as well as their career. And that's what I've had. So um, it's, it, it, everybody isn't as lucky as I am. I guess I can say that. And I've been a very lucky man when it comes to my career as far as the people I've had around me. I just can't hit a net. I can't hit the nail on that enough because that's that's in a sense of why I'm here. Just because of the people that's been along my in uh, alongside me throughout my journey. Yeah, that's amazing uh, that you talk about that and and to have that influence around you because yeah, like a lot of times, yes, it is the product of uh, of what you're doing on the court, but the people around you, your teammates, and I think that's that's oftentimes lost too, especially uh, in a player. If you're in a, a an environment that cultivates you, especially from your teammate, your organization, and everything, it makes you perform that much better. And I think that gets lost a lot of times. I think you see it in the league, you see it overseas. Guys are in, like you said, a bad situation. Uh, their teammates don't vibe with them. They're they're not getting uh, involved. They don't like the culture they're in, um, playing wise or or mm-hmm. outside of it, and they struggle. So uh, that's a huge component. I love you are able to to shed some shed some light light on that, like John said. But Thank um, you. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But but I want to you know you talked about your first season a little bit, and and was that that season? Um, I had had your stats pulled up, so you ended up you know, getting your things together and averaging 17 points and, and eight rebounds a game. Was that the, that was in the same season, that first season over there in Italy, right? Yeah, yes, it was. That was the second league uh, of Italy, like a duet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you, so you got it together. Like you said, you, you found that, that right, the right fit. Um, you, 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 you found that teammates wanted you there and, that, and that's great. You're able to turn around. But the second season with uh, with Cantu was was the first Italian Super Cup you won um, and you played in the League with them. And I believe this was the first division Serie A with them. Oh, yeah, for sure. This this was this was the first of your uh, Italian Super Cups, man. Um, So like you said earlier in the interview about you finding out early, finding out this about yourself early on that you just want to win. Right. It's not yeah. about the personal accolades. And that's why I talked about well, later we're going to get into it. But this was the first of uh, four Super Cups, not even mm-hmm. Italian Cups, which is different. Uh, but mm-hmm. talk about this experience, man. Uh, winning uh, your first, first one. That was dope. Like we played against uh, Siena and Siena had won, I think, before we beat them in that Super Cup. I think they had won like, did I hear it was like 20? It was like 20 straight cups or something like that, bro. Like, you know, as far as the, 
Super Cup, the Italian Cup, and then the championship. I heard they won like four or five in a row, supposedly. So when we ran up against them, you run up against a juggernaut. It's like, damn, like we got a whole new squad. Like, you know, we had some young guys on the team, me, Jerry Smith, Alex Tyus, uh, Johnny Tabu. Like we had some younger players being mixed with some old heads, some vets. And, um, man, the first game, we just came out clicking, bro. We just came out clicking. It was just – compared to all the preseason games we had, everything just went well in that game. I actually just like a month ago watched the highlights of that game. We just played very well together on both ends of the floor. And um, Siena was a hell of a team. It was a hell of a, a club. And for us to beat them, it was like, bro, we won the championship of the entire season already. We were just on mountain high from the, from the get-go. So, yeah, it was just um, a, a very big part of uh, my success as far as, like, I finally know what it is to be a winner as a pro. Like, uh, we went to the Italian Cup final when I was in uh, Yezy in the, in the second league, but we ended up losing. So, when you win that first trophy, it's like, yo, I've actually won something. I've won a trophy because my agent even told me, man, he's had guys had 14, 15-year careers and never won one trophy. So I was able to get one in my second league. I mean, my second year in the first league. So, which is incredible. And um, yeah, it was a dope experience. Yeah, that's that's amazing to like you said have that have that winning feeling um, in your second season, and then a third the third season um, one of one of the better seasons of your career. You know, you you made the All Star team with uh, Juve Caserta. I don't know if I said that correctly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you said yeah. It correctly. Fourteen, getting that Italian thing on me, but fourteen <laughs> points, six rebounds in the uh, in Syria. Uh, what 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 was the the key to success? I know this was a big big season from you in terms of statistically, um, and and then making the All Star game. What was this this your third season um, in Italy like? Um, I guess I can kind of go back into like my second year because like. I had played in the EuroLeague, as you said earlier, and um, honestly, I didn't know what the hell that was. Like, and I had teammates that laughed at me. They were like, well, you don't know EuroLeague? I'm like, no. Like, I'm just playing ball, bro. I'm playing ball. I'm playing pro ball. That's the only thing that matters to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I went from the second league into EuroLeague, which, like, literally never happens. And I was with Cantu and just playing the season, seeing all these different clubs. So, I was like, yo, this is – really big time basketball like the Euro League is OD so from there when I left Cantu and played in Caserta I had more of a maturity about myself as a pro because we gained some players at that club that were either coming from their first year in pro that really didn't play anywhere prolific um, or they were coming from college so they were kind of getting their uh, their burns under them or and we also had a couple guys coming from the G League so since I, in a sense, had the most experience only in two years of, like, knowing what it is to be kind of like in a, you know, second league, but then go to Euro League and knowing what it takes to really compete and win, my coach uh, really put a lot of pressure on me as far as leading. And that's just what I did. It wasn't just about my talent. It was the type of guy I was about saying if we all play well, we all look good, we all get to places that we want to get to. And uh, we had a really good year. We had a really good year. We just didn't finish well because of how we started. We didn't have – we didn't gel well at the beginning. And then we got a new point guard, and I swear if we had this point guard from the beginning, 
we would have been like a top five play, uh, team in the league, but we started off pretty bad. And in the second end of that season, we were – teams were telling us, like, yo, y'all scary. We don't, we don't want to meet y'all down the road because of the athleticism and the uh, – once again, the jail you guys are playing with. And I was just confident that year, man. I was just really confident in what I was doing. My teammates was vibing with me. They saw I could make plays, and they saw I wanted to win. And that's just why I, that's how I had the year that I had. Man, absolutely. You know, and and like like how like how Justin mentioned you, you had one of the best one of the best years of your career. And uh, we, we you know, me and Justin talk. We often talk about uh, summers of separation, right? Like so mm-hmm. when when people are sleep, when they chilling in the summer, you putting in work called summer of separation. So to 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 you, you know, between that second to third season, uh, or between either from when you graduated Penn State until that third season, what, what was there that summer separation? Was there a time where you did one thing in one thing in specific? I know you talked about your confidence. Your confidence was, was really glowing, and that's that's huge as a basketball player is, is confidence. But was there something else that, that you can attribute to that you would be like, yeah, that's like one of the biggest reasons I had that jump and I had one of the best career seasons of my careers. Uh, see, it's funny. You would think that it was actually like about skill work and stuff like that. Mine was mental mm-hmm. because what happened was coming out of that year in Cantu, so many teammates, bro, I could talk to you guys for like literally hours about all this stuff, but trying to make it short. In that year at Cantu, I was near Milan. So, bro, I can't lie. I was going out, hanging out. I was playing well, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of stuff that like I was uh, introduced to that I'd never been introduced to before. So it kind of got around to like, oh, this guy isn't, you know, he's good, but is he is he serious? Is he blah, 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 because, you know, he was going out, he was doing this, doing that. So that comes that summer, kind of got drastic, even though I played well, kind of like, oh, well, we don't know yet. We're going to wait. We're going to see. We're going to see. And then, bro, that really started to bother me because it was like, that's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I'm a bad guy, just that I'm young and I was enjoying myself, but also trying to be you know, with my team and blah, blah. So when you go through something like that and then, like, finally a team signs you, what happened mentally was, like, I gave everything I could to my club. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, you guys, in a sense, once again, it wasn't like I did anything crazy or nothing like that, but it just started getting around a little bit. They're, like, we need to see if he's really into this. You know what I'm saying? If he's really about the game. And when Kazerta gave me the opportunity, I took it and I ran with it. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to thank them for, you know, giving me the opportunity to continue to play pro ball, but also to show who I really am, show that I could be a leader as well as a good player, as well as a great teammate and blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? So basically uh, what happened, when you feel like, when you kind of feel like, yo, what? Like you, your agent, like, yeah, because this team, like, like, oh, like I might not have a job. You know what I'm saying? Like It's different when you kind of plan and then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I don't even know if teams want to take a chance on me and you kind of start looking at yourself like, damn, am I a bad guy or blah, blah. No, it's just that you made some some decisions acting in a way that you should learn. That was a mistake I had to learn. You know what I'm saying? And from there, when I got to Caserta, that's what all it was, was just mentally, I put myself in the game. I threw myself into the game. I threw myself into being the best Jeff Brooks I could be in all angles, as a man, as a teammate, as a player, all that. And um, yeah, that's, that's why I had the season that I had. That that that's a huge uh, step and a huge a huge little nibbler right there about changing that mentality. Because um, obviously, uh, guy we had on recently too has said it's it's uh, 
80% mental, 20% physical, which is, which is mm-hmm. interesting too. And that, that's, that's, uh, alludes to that as well. But then, you know, you had a great successful individual season and then boom, you're back at it with, uh, Cesari in your fourth season, man. Shout mm-hmm. out, uh, our guy, a guy, Shane, friend of the show had him on before, right on. but he, was yes, he, was yes, he sir. on this squad? Was he on this squad oh, yeah, you? Yeah, when you yeah, won the yeah, super yeah, cup? Yeah. So you, so y'all, so y'all are some winners too. Makes sense. So you Bro. won the Italian super cup in that season and Italian cup, man. Talk about that season. I know that was great. We won everything that season. The only thing we didn't do well was when we played EuroLeague because, guys, uh, we didn't mesh well for EuroLeague because EuroLeague, bro, is more than talent. Like, you have to really put like this. I always say this. The Italian League is, I swear to God, it's like checkers, bro. It's up and down. It's uh, my five against your five in most games, bro. They just kind of just – we up and down. We get into it. You know, offense, rebound, blah, blah. In the EuroLeague, it's like chess, bro. It's like the coaches and the teams, they they try to put everybody in the right position. Everybody, you got to be here. You got to be there. It was just different, bro. So when we played in that, as far as my team in Sassari, we just didn't understand what it took to compete in the EuroLeague. But when it came to the Italian League, bro, we was dangerous, bro. Like, nope, bro, you can go ask other people who played against us in that 2000. 14, 15 season, nobody wanted to play us, bro. We had dogs, we had athleticism, we had experience, we had everything you needed. And we had dudes who was crazy as hell, too. So we had everything you needed to have a special season, bro. We was always the underdog. Like, and every time we took that as a and put a chip on our shoulder for every single cup that we came into. And like, I had never seen a player like Shane before that season. Like, I know you guys know Shane and I've heard some of his story, but I swear to God, bro, seeing him that year, like, bro, it was like playing with the Incredible Hulk. Like, it was just, I'm telling y'all, dog, it was saying, like, the shocking, the dunks he was catching. He made my job so easy, bro. Like, because then when I got to Sassery, I became more of a glue guy. Because then I played three and four throughout my career. When I got to Sassery, I was playing just uh, mostly four, and I was the glue guy. Like, everything, in a sense, was me to clean up. If it came to rebounding, making an open shot, making a play, setting good screens, diving on the floor for loose ball, help defense, all these different things, that was my role. And having a player like Shane, all I knew was if I get my player, whoever I'm guarding, all I got to do is lead him to the rim because Shane coming. You know what I'm saying? And if Shane <laughs> playing one-on-one defense yeah. – he got to know that I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? And we just put so much trust in the shame for, like, who he was, how athletic he was, but also just the passion that he had about being on the floor, bro. He was uh, definitely, definitely the focal point of our team as far as the anchor of our team, bro. It was all shame. And uh, it was a special group, bro. We had Jerome Dyson. We had David Logan, who was a seasoned vet, going into, I think, his, like, 18th or 19th year this uh, season this year, Edgar Sosa, uh, Kenny Kaji, Rakim Sanders, bro. The list goes on and on. The, the team was just stacked, bro. And uh, but it, I, I just will never forget Shane because of seeing he, he came from the second league that year too into our team and just seeing, bro, how he was. I ain't seen nothing like that since, honestly. 
It was incredible. Well, so I did say just, it was Hulk, so yeah, yeah it was incredible. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So y'all just fed off his energy. It was one of those things that was contagious, and, it, um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it was it was a lot of a lot to do with success. So that's that's amazing, man. Uh, it makes sense though, because Shane, Shane, the way he talks about the game too, and and how he says those little things, the way he was talking about it, it, it makes sense that he he played like that as well. Um, yep. Yeah. Man, and then so Jeff, you made stops. You know, primarily you, you played majority of your professional career in in Italy, which mm-hmm. I have some questions about that later. And you know, your, your citizenship and and all that. But you made stops in Spain, um, Russia. W- talk about like those different leagues and and how, in terms of those three countries, because I know I've heard from from multiple pros and and things that mm-hmm. you could go from Spain to to France to Italy, and the style of basketball is going to be different in all those places. Very, Talk about a little bit about different. that and your experience in those uh, in those leagues. Well, I played in Russia first, so I played at Saratov in the VTB, and uh, it's actually a pretty good team. Uh, they love basketball in the city. It's a blue collar town, like. Um, it's very old, I guess you would say. Like, it's just not really a modern city at all. So, actually, that was the first year me and my wife was married. And honestly, bro, it wasn't much to do. So, I mean, keep it PG. But our son was conceived there because that was all we was doing, bro. Like, just I would go work out, go to practice, come home. And it was just me and my wife, you know, watching TV and stuff like that. And uh, we had always we had started about um, having, you know, a, a son or a daughter. And that leads us. It was a bruiser league. I'm talking about, bro, every night you're coming out with blood, scratches, you know, elbows to the jaw. It was it was a bruiser's league, bro. It was nice. Uh, it was my it was my type of it was my type of style. I can't I learned a lot about the physicality of basketball from playing in Russia because those dudes, bro, and the Russian guys, they think differently about, you know, physicality. They really do. It kind of reminded me of the 80s in the NBA. Like, bro, ain't no foul unless blood is drawn type stuff, bro. It, it was definitely, a, um, once again, another maturation uh, process for me because uh, I had a really good season there, too, and I was on a team that was very talented and another coach who wanted me to be a catalyst and everything. And um, Brad Greenberg, if y'all know the name, uh, Seth Greenberg's uh, older brother. So mm-hmm. from there, uh, I go to, to Malaga, Spain, and I played in Malaga as a European because my wife is Italian. So just off the strength of that, I was, a, uh, I was playing as a European, and honestly, that's why I give so much credit to my wife because if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I would have had that opportunity to play in the ACB, and the ACB is the best league over there as far as nationally. It's insane. It's, it's incredible. The presentation of it, the teams you have, the history, the players that you're going to face, and it don't matter, bro. Day in, day out, every single team you play, you – there's teams growing up leagues where you look at it like, all right, we know we're going to beat them. Nah, ACB's not like that. For instance, bro, we had a team this year that went to the – did they go to the uh, – they went to the Final Four, I think, of Euro Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty – it was pretty damn good. They got relegated in the ACB. They fell out of the league. But they went to the Final Four of the their European competition. That's how good the ACB like, – every single night you're playing against a good team. You playing in a, and you know, COVID is over. That whole idea like COVID and like the gyms and all that. Now that all that's gone. Now it's back to sold out arenas and you know what I'm saying? And the the 
the fans are back, the energy. Yeah, bro, the ACB is like that. It's like that, man, for real. It's like that. I played against Luka Doncic uh, to Anthony Randolph to Walter Tavares at Real Madrid. He's just guys playing Real Madrid. Then you got your Nikola uh, Miritich, and then you got your – who else? Man, he's just – bro, I can go down the line. I can just – there's just so many different names, and that league is just incredible. So um, definitely uh, – but Malaga – I played in Malaga, as I said. That's definitely, like, probably the best place I've played as far as work. The place, it's on the beach, beautiful weather all the time, uh, really nice city, really nice people, basketball city, amazing, amazing place to play. And uh, just another stop on my journey. But, yeah, the ACB is like that, bro. It's like that. Okay, okay. And and I, I heard you I heard you say you played a young Luca and when we uh when we had Shane on, Shane actually shared uh a picture where he was dunking on one of Luca's teammates. You can see Luca in the back looking a little scared, man. So what I want to yeah. ask is, you know, we, we know what Luca is today, like uh, yeah. uh one one of the best top young talents in the under 25, but I wanna ask like Seeing the yeah. young Luca, did you did you see that? Did you like know like oh yeah, this guy has flashes to be like one of the greats? Um, I'm not toot my own horn, but I say this. But in Europe, I'm one of the better defenders you're gonna find. So like, I switch a lot. I guard a lot of guys uh, on the perimeter. Young Luca, bro, at 17, because when when we played him with Shane, he was super young, bro. He was like 15, 16. He wasn't even playing. So, like, when I saw him at 17, 18, I knew he was different. It's, I was like, this kid's special. He's like, yeah, he's special. I was like, he's tall. He has the ball movement already. He gets to his spots. And what people did not give enough credit to is that when you play in Europe, it's more about this than it is the legs, bro. Like, you have to be able to read because there ain't no defensive player in the key and all that. Bro, he was reading the game so easily, bro. Like, it was different. And uh, I actually had an argument. After we we actually beat them at home this game, uh, when I was in Malaga, and I had an argument with, well, it wasn't an argument, it was a debate. I like to say both words, but a debate with a scout that day, um, in a bar, and uh, we were talking about DeAndre Ayton and Luka Doncic. I'm like, bro, Luka is the number one pick. I was like, he might not get picked because, of course, then putting him with Devin Booker is going to be tough because they both two, three, how's it going to work? But, bro, he's the best player in this draft, bar none. Oh, no, like, because you can't take away from Aiden and you got, you know, Trey Young. I'm like, no, I'm telling you, man. Like, watch. Watch what's going to happen. I'm telling y'all. And it comes to find out that, what, two years later, Lucas says, yeah, playing the NBA is easy compared to when I was playing, you know, in the EuroLeague and playing in Spain because the floor is so much space, so much uh, spacing on the floor. The rules are different. Uh, just even the, the idea of traveling with the basketball. Like in the NBA, you ain't got to worry about that mostly. In Europe, bro, you make the wrong move. It's a travel. You're going the other way with the ball. You know what I'm saying? So all these different things that people don't even really pay attention to makes the game completely different from Europe to the NBA. So when Luka got over there, I already knew. Now, I can't lie. I didn't expect global phenom in year three, but I did expect mm-hmm. him to be a very, very good player in the NBA. I wasn't expecting Luca to be Luca Magic. I was expecting Luca to be Luca Doncic, not have a damn <laughs> nickname in three years. I wasn't expecting that, honestly. But I knew he was gonna be good, but I didn't know he was gonna be that damn good. Yeah. 
Nah, Luca was uh, he was saying the NBA is easier than playing in Europe, but he really said really really meant was uh, he don't have to have Jeff Brooks switching up on switching on to him. On <laughs> oh, that's, what really that. that's, what that's what he really meant. He was yeah. thinking that in his head, man. He gave but, me um, he gave me one bucket. I won't lie, he gave me one bucket. I was, I was like, damn, that's sweet. But I didn't know he had that. But now nah, other than that, I, I tried to make it as tough as possible for that kid, bro. But he's a very good player, man. He's very good. Very good player. Yeah. Very no, good absolutely. player. And as you as you guys can see, uh, so I've seen it at a young age. So off that note, though, what about, you, you know, you, you took it upon yourself. Obviously, you said you're a good defender and a great defender and everything. I, in Europe, you know, you played in the top leagues of those three leagues. And who, who's been kind of the tougher matchups or if maybe multiple guys um you know you play in the euro league and everything who's been the tougher matchups you've had out there uh i can give you three names again so one is uh foco Shinigaya. i don't know if y'all know that name he played in the league a bit i think with the nets and dude is like six eight like two thirty five but he's once again braun bro dude is a wrecking ball bro in the paint like he's getting to Wherever the hell he wants to get to, bro. Tough as nails. Uh, he's from Georgia, the the country, not the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, really strong guy. Uh, he's a winner. Uh, really good player. Other guys and played in the NBA as well. Played at LSU. Y'all remember that name? Like 6'11". He's 3'4". Silky smooth left-hander. Handle. Jump shot. Really good player. He played at Real Madrid for a very long time. Very good player as well. And then one guy, I just – I mean, he played in the NBA after this, but um, I just remember he, he – I ain't a lot, bro. He, he gave me everything I wanted. He tore me up. Uh, when I was with Sassery, it was uh, Dario Saric. Like, I was hearing yeah. about him, and I was like, oh, well, you know, kind of heard about him shit because he was playing with Ephes. I was like, mm, well, we, we don't see, Bob. Man, bro, I'm talking – he was doing moves and, like, crossover into a Euro. I'm like – and dude was like – at this point, dude was like 6'10". You know, about 240, like, not a small guy by any means, but the moves he was making was damn near like a two-guard. I'm like, I don't – once again, you don't see this too often. Like, where is this coming from? This was when he was young, too. Dario Sarge was like that, bro. He was nice. So, um, those are three guys I definitely remember. I'll, I'm still competing with Toko to this day. Uh, Anthony, um, I haven't competed against in a while uh, since I was with um, Milan. He was injured uh, – Last, not this season, but the season before he was injured all season, so I didn't really compete against him. But, uh, yeah, those, those three guys are definitely guys that stick out in my career. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, I definitely know all three of those guys, but specifically Anthony Randolph because I'm a big Warrior fan. So I know he was drafted by us. He struggled a bit, but I'm glad to see he's – I know he was out in Real Madrid. And I believe he um, he also – did he play with Spain? I can't remember he was playing with – No, he played with – you talking about the national team? Yeah, national team. He played. Nah, he played with Luca in Slovenia. Yeah, that's and they right. One Euro that's right. They won. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He recruited yeah. Anthony. That's what happened. He recruited. Him. <laughs> <laughs> he recruited him for Real Madrid. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I remember, I remember that. Once yeah. They, once they got him, I was like, "Oh damn, you're you're a basket over with." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they 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 nice as it is. They got the Dragic brothers, and they got some mm-hmm. size on that team. They got Luca. Then you added Anthony Randolph. I was like, damn, like they're gonna be nice. They ain't no winning it yeah. that year of the Euro basket. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 a big, big win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so 
I got to ask you, you know, you've won four Italian Super Cups, one in 2020, one in 2018, one in 2014, one in 2012, and then two Italian Cups, 2015, 2021. That's obviously a lot of hardware, but out of all those stops, all those wins, what of those title runs, um, I know multiple in one couple years, but what would the most memorable uh, favorite and why out of all uh, out of those? It's definitely Sassery because uh, okay. in Sassery, we ended up winning the championship that year too. So we got the, the triplet day, which means we won all three in the same year. And nobody has done it since. Uh, Milan has won. We won. Uh, well, I was in Milan last year. We won two. We won a Super Cup. Uh, the Italian Cup, but we lost the championship the Bologna year. This year, I was in a different team, but Milan won the Italian Cup and won the championship, but they lost the Super Cup. So I was like, yes. Because nobody's got a triplete yet uh, since us uh, since Sassery. So, um, yeah, that was definitely my favorite one. Like I said, every time the lights came on, every time it was a, a cup to be won, somehow, some way, bro, we did whatever. And, um, yeah, we, we made history. Uh, some people say it's one of the best teams uh, Italy has ever had constructed as far as the Italian league. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a damn good team. It was a damn good team, bro. Damn good team. So, yeah, a lot of crazy moments, too. You know, yeah. teammates fighting in practice, you know, argument. But all that stuff, bro, leads to championships. You need that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You really do. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely my favorite – well, as far as winning, definitely my favorite experience was with Sassery. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with the fighting and all that, that builds number one character, but friction makes like builds fire. So at the end of the day, yes. sometimes you, you need that. So um, yes. I'm not, I'm not, uh, honestly, you told you, you saying that doesn't surprise me. Like we don't see all these successful teams behind doors, but I've also been part of successful teams. We've seen these programs and you know that it takes some adversity and all that. So uh, I'm not surprised. And that's, that's cool that you say that, that for that year. But um Talk, let's talk about the Italian national team. I know September 6, 2018, you might remember the day, you might not, but that was an important date. I looked it up because that was the day you officially uh, became Italian. I know you talked about your wife being Italian. Uh, mm-hmm. You finally get the citizenship, and then that leads you to being able to represent uh, Italy on, uh, in the t- 2019 World Cup. Talk about that yep. experience and, and being able to represent a national team, man. That's huge. Uh, it was dope, man. Like, uh, how I feel about that situation is that I'm representing, you know, my wife and her family in a sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able to play for the United States, of course, you know, because of the, the amazing talents that we have for the Team USA. But having someone actually want you to be a part of a national team is just so dope in itself. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, and you're not even from there. So, um, it also shows, once again, the – the credit to who you are as a person as just as well as a player because those guys were really open with me. We had so much fun in my experience in the games I did play in, did play in the World Cup in China. I'd never been to China before. Such a dope experience. I had so much fun. I got to play against Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, Team uh, Serbia, uh, played against Turkey that year, played against the Philippines, Poland. I played against so many national teams, so many good pros and NBA players, man, it was just a hell of an experience. Something that I would definitely be talking to my son about, you know, in his future, just um, that experience. But, yeah, man, just 
again, it's just a humbling situation of like where I come from, well, how I was raised, everything I've seen to now. Like I'm here in China representing Italy. When the hell did I ever write this down and say that's what I wanted to do or this was going to happen? I did not. But here I am and here we are. So, uh, yeah, bro, it was special. Very special moment. And I, I felt like it was a very special moment for my wife, too, just to have someone being able to do something as big as this, representing her country, and she's the main connection is through her. Like, uh, and I, I, like I said, I felt like when I was on the floor, she was out there with me, and my son was out there with me, and her family was out there with me, representing their country. Man, absolutely. Man. And, and, and me, I'm, I'm, I'm also a father. I got a, I got a baby girl. So, you know what I'm saying? You just mm-hmm. saying that, man. Congratulations. Pre- appreciate that, man. You just saying that is, 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 is beautiful, man. I know what it is to, I don't know what it's like to be out there playing, but I know it's like, you know, to a, be gone for for your child and, you know, feeling like, you know, you're doing this to represent your child. And I know your son is going to, he has a great dad to have tell him a lot of stories, man. So we'll, we'll, yes, sir. It'll definitely be looking forward to that, man. But all right, Jeffrey. Right so you know we've we you know we we we've talked about you know your basketball journey starting in starting in Kentucky to you know your time and your time at Penn State and your time going pro. But what we want to know now is what's next for Jeffrey Brooks. You know, as as the as the the year goes on, uh, what's next and what can the people be expect coming from you? Well, right now, um, you know, I'm trying to just continue my career for as long as I can. I, I my target is to play for another five to six years, you know, um, if it's in Italy or if it's somewhere, just continue to play the game. But also not so much as about playing, it's also just sharing the idea of basketball and giving that that uh, that the advice to your younger teammates. Because I was big dog as far as age this year on my team. Like, I was 32. I was like, damn, I got players of 24, 25. So they coming to me for advice. It's like, yo, I remember when I was in those shoes, you know what I'm saying? So that's one reason why I want to continue to play too. And also, it's just fun, man. I get to play a game for my livelihood, bro. Like, who wouldn't want to do that as long as they could? And from there, um, I have a clothing line with my wife and my brother-in-law that we started back in November of 2020. It just kind of sucks that we started doing COVID. So we're here to this day just trying to get more and more people to see uh, our product and more and more people to uh, – understand the, the the journey of it uh the ideas of it and uh and on the outside of that my wife wants me to coach uh i don't know about coaching because uh it's very tough it's very time consuming as well as my career has been you know um scouting the same deal so i'm honestly bro i'm trying to just figure out exactly what i want to do what i would like to do you know what i'm saying in my future but it's definitely going to be something that in a sense gives back i ain't saying as far as charity or money and all that. I mean, the idea of advice on how to get to different plateaus, get to different places that you want to be, you know what I'm saying? What it takes, what I went through, you know what I'm saying? Because my journey isn't as traumatic as other people's. And I don't play against pros who've had lives where they didn't have their parents in their lives, some who came from orphanages, all types of stuff, man. So, but we all have our own journey and we all go through things. And I think one thing I can say in the future, I just want to be doing something where I can at least be a pillar of advice, a pillar of um, of a how-to, you know what I'm saying? Now, if it becomes coaching at the end of the day, then yeah, I'll coach or do whatever I can with basketball, but I just want to be able to get action as far as helping them get to where they want to get to. 
You know what I'm saying? And uh, not going to lie, Mega Millions is a billion right now. So hmm. we're playing that as well. So, uh, yeah. Then uh, if I hit that, we can really talk about charity. If I hit that. But no, on a serious note, yeah, just um, anything I can do to give back to some people to, to help them get to where they want to get to. Because, again, I'm not LeBron James or anything like that, but I am Jeff Brooks, and I've had a, a journey of being where I am, and it hasn't been an easy one. And I think for anybody who's been in this situation of playing pro or even what you guys are doing with your podcast, there's a journey to it, bro. It, it takes planning. It takes the right choices. It takes having the right people to get to where you want to get to, you know what I'm saying, and get to have things in your life that you want. And to sustain those things, that's another race in itself, too. Man, I, man. I, I, absolutely, man. And and I, I, I will say, Jeff, I, I love what you, what you said. You said, I'm not LeBron James. I am Jeff Brooks. And I, I, I really love that because, you know, there's what people don't realize. Not not everyone can be LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Kobe Bryant like these. The, you know, that's the, the top of the top. Um, but what what I what I would like to ask you know as we as we close out the the podcast here is is if there's a kid out there listening you know who wants to who wants to have a successful career like you who wants to go and uh, make accolades and make history whether it be college whether it be pros and be the best version of themselves what's one piece of advice or one, maybe one or two sentences you would give to them if if they were listening a young kid or or even a young your a younger you? Uh, I think it's going to be more of a um not really a sentence. I think it's going to just be more of a of a, a conversation with Jeff in the past. I think one is the commitment I put into the game. I've always been committed to it, and not because I thought I would get something out of it. I've been committed to the game because I've loved it my entire life. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like if you go into anything in this life with the sense of commitment it doesn't matter what happens it's just the simple fact you're going to appreciate what you go through with that commitment you know what i'm saying if it's your marriage if it's the career you want to pick if it's losing 25 pounds or gaining 25 pounds of muscle the commitment is what it's about if you don't have a commitment to it it's not going to happen it's not going to work i don't have conversations with guys who just talk like oh yeah because i want to do it but then you don't see them at the gym. You don't see them enjoying the game. You, you just see them, in a sense, like talking and not doing. You know what I'm saying? And again, I'm not a workout guru. I ain't saying I'm in the gym for 22 hours out a day or even like in a Cobra Mamba mentality type of way. But I've always been committed to what I've been about do with what I've always been doing. That's being a good person a good teammate, and also I could be whatever that whatever that looked like. To make the right choices, you have to have humility. And I know plenty of guys, John and Justin, who were better than me in high school. I know plenty of guys who were better than me in college. I know guys who've been better than me as pros, but they had to give up the game. And reasons, some of the reasons why is because of choices that they made. Like I said, I wasn't on a path where Again, it wasn't that I was going crazy or nothing, but I wasn't making the right choices as far as my professional career, my professional resume off before. And those things follow you. Don't even realize it. You know what I'm saying? So the humility about knowing that I'm in this for a reason, I'm doing this for a reason, I'm trying to be the best person I can be, the best teammate I can be. 
I'm not trying to big up anybody. I'm not trying to say I'm just better than you because I'm better than you. I'm actually putting the work in behind it. I'm actually doing everything I can do to be a winner. I'm actually doing everything I can to be the humble man I'm supposed to be because when you're humble, that's when you get results. That's when you're getting things. That's when karma really does come into play. And uh, I know too many guys that have fell short because they weren't humble and they weren't committed. And that's why I'm here to this day. Uh, I live with beautiful, I have a beautiful wife, a loving wife. I have a wonderful son who gets on my damn nerves sometimes. But at the end of the day, he's my son. And I wouldn't have my son if it wasn't for this career I've had. And all that stems from the commitment I made to the game, the commitment I made to myself to be humble at all times and to enjoy the process and enjoy what I do. And that's why I'm here to this day. So that's the only piece of advice I can give because that's the advice I would give my younger self to get to this moment and maybe even to a better plateau. But I'm here to this. I'm here now. And um, that's how I got here through my commitment and my humility. Man, absolutely. So if all the family out there, everybody listening, y'all y'all hear what it is, man. Jeff Brooks is talking commitment is what it takes to get to that next level and to get to where you want to get to, man. And I I, I love that, man. But Jay, my, my brother, do you have any last words for Jeff and all the fans out there as we start to wrap up here? Yeah. Uh, no, thank you to our listeners as always. And, and, and Jeff, you know, thank you for your time and sharing your story through, through, through basketball on the court words of wisdom because we always appreciate you know everyone has a journey through this beautiful game man and it brings us together like it brings us having a conversation now and I always appreciate it man and I like I always say I always appreciate people's time because that's really all we got so appreciate yes, it yes it is I love I love that because you don't get it back so for you guys who want to share your time with me and have me on your your podcast and us just talk as men about the game, but also about things about life. And it's just been dope, man. I really appreciate you guys hitting me up and asking me to be on. I really appreciate it. And I wish you guys nothing but luck. I really do. You guys are doing a wonderful thing. You're shedding some light to the younger guys who, who are coming up playing this game, but also going through life. And they need these talks. And like you said, it is clutch because clutch is, um, like you said, with time. And every day that we get, bro, is in the clutch because you don't know how much of it you have left. So um, I really appreciate you guys for having me on Clutch Talk. I really do. Yes, sir, man. Anytime, man. You are welcome back anytime. And for all the family out there, all the listeners, if you guys want to stay up to date with with Jeff and everything that he's got going on, make sure you guys check the description down below because I'm going to link his Instagram. I'm going to link all of his social medias. And uh, Jeff, you gonna send me the link to to, to you and your wife's clothing brand. I'm going to drop the link in the description down below. So for all the family and you guys, make sure you guys check that out. And go show our guy Jeff some love, man, because he 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 did he did us a big on my coming on today, Jeff. We really appreciate that. I'm sending that to you right now, and I really appreciate you guys again. Uh, you guys have been great. Thank you for the interview; it's been dope. And uh, yeah, man, you guys got something here. I wish you guys nothing but nothing but luck and nothing but the best, because this is really good. You guys know what you're doing. You guys are very respectful young men. I appreciate y'all seriously been great yes sir man yes sir i think i think that's a good place for us to go ahead and wrap it up here man so i hope you guys enjoyed jeffrey's story man and if that's it then we out here y'all clutch talk out peace